Welcome to our podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten this week by Google Cloud. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're exploring how artificial intelligence collaboration tools are helping government agencies meet citizens' needs more effectively. And we'll look at ways those tools are also helping agencies to innovate. Our guest today is Jeff Brown, part of Google Cloud's global public sector team, where he focuses on collaboration. Jeff has more than 20 years experience working in the technology sector, including at CA, VMware, and Symantec before joining Google Cloud nearly nine years ago. He currently supports a wide range of state and local government agencies with their cloud and AI efforts. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the program. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, there's been a big push across federal, state, and local government to improve online engagement with citizens and stakeholders. I think you'd agree. But in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, the notion of access to government services has taken on a lot more urgency and significance for government leaders. And one of the most critical aspects of that was the sheer volume of online and phone requests for information that government agencies had to handle. So, Jeff, what are some of the ways that you've seen agencies in recent months trying to scale and meet those needs? Yeah, there's been quite a bit of demand, to say the least. I mean, who saw this coming? I think the way to answer that is just backing up from the beginning, right? As this pandemic started rolling out, I think the first thing you started seeing is the constituents just wanting information. So, you know, what is it? You know, how do you get affected? You know, how does it move from person to person? And it's just the information. And so you have places like uh, WHO and CDC that are providing all this information. And it takes companies like Google and others to aggregate that information, put it online. You got to have a cloud infrastructure for that. So right, so the first piece is just you got an overwhelming need for knowledge and you got to get that knowledge delivered of course and keep out, you know, the inaccuracies. So that was first. So now we're kind of going through okay, now it's testing, right? So everybody's kind of understanding what's happening and how it's, you know, moving from person to person. So now you have this influx of how do I get tested and you know, where are the ventilators? And so that whole second piece is where we've seen a lot of these government agencies not just collaborate within their own agencies, right? But how do you now support that? And not just from the state, but from the city and county perspective. And there's some really interesting stories that we've seen uh, some of our government agencies do, but that's the initial process. That then brings you to your question and, you know, more recently, So most people have heard of contact tracing, and that's overwhelmingly a big thing. And also, drumroll, unfortunately, unemployment insurance request. Just looking today, you know, something like 40 million plus Americans have filed for unemployment insurance. And so the sheer volume of calls, right, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people in certain states calling into their unemployment, calling into their state, finding out, you know, what are the services? You can't humanly answer all those. And so that is where you're going to see things like AI, things like chatbot, things where you have a dialogue flow going, right, where I can call in and get my questions answered because I'm having that chatbot or that AI technology because I have all those frequently asked questions. So the contact tracing, the unemployment insurance, and all those things are a huge thing we're seeing from the state level down. And like I said, backing up is just understanding what's happening and then being able to support the constituents and ultimately their needs. What types of solutions are making it easier and more affordable to help agencies help their own workforce work more productively during times like this? 
Yeah, it's a great one. So now, as this is happening, you're getting a, a huge population of current government workers now working remote. In certain cases, you know, certain numbers, we're talking about 70% of thousands of employees are now state, city, county, and they're working remote. So the question, yes, I mean, what are they using? In our case, it's going to be collaboration tools. It's going to be video conferencing are the top two. What's interesting is a couple of months ago, maybe in early March, I was doing a session, a webinar, and I did a question to about 70 people. And one of the questions was, you're working remote. Can you get your job done today? And 85, 86% came back and said yes. And what was so interesting was the second question. Can you get access to all of your data that you normally had when you're in the office? And it was significantly lower. Something like half, 40% said, oh yeah, but by the way, I can't access that critical information that I used to when I was on premises. And that absolutely is where you get into the cloud technologies. If I'm on a cloud-based using like a Chrome browser and I can access something like G Suite, get into my drive, get into my contents, access all that, whether it's internal or I want to share it externally, that is by far the biggest thing that we're seeing as those cities and counties and states that were set up with this cloud infrastructure, essentially they just detached from the physical work location. Now they're working remote and essentially there really is no difference. Yes, maybe they had to get some hardware from the office, but really that's a, a big component that we saw is just the collaboration and accessing those. The second point is video conferencing, astronomical numbers in growth for video conferencing. A certain state gave me a number. They went from 40-ish type of things per day of Google Meet video conferencing to 4,000, 40 to 4,000 daily video conferencing. And that keeps that personal engagement between managers and employees. But also these individuals are now delivering those services to the constituents. And we're starting to see more of what are like the virtual lobbies. So those are my two big things is just access to the critical data they need by using cloud infrastructure and then doing day-to-day -day meetings through video conferencing. Well, Jeff, can you share some examples of how you're seeing agencies not only meet these emerging needs, but actually transform the digital services with citizens and other stakeholders that they're able to deliver? Yeah. So I know a great use case here. Most people wouldn't think about is I like to talk about, you know, the corrections facilities, just a quick state 101 for individuals, right? If you're 18 and above, and unfortunately you do something uh, like a felony and you're going to be incarcerated, you're going to be part of what is that state's department of corrections. And people understand that they will have family visitations. And so because of the pandemic, there is no longer visitations. And so we've seen multiple states, uh, Arizona and Iowa too, where what they've done is set up virtual visitations. So the officers in the facilities will walk the offender over to a Chromebook or a laptop, right? A PC. They have scheduled appointments that the family members do from home, all publicly available on site. They click the schedule. They fill out their information. Yes, here's my name. Here's my driver's license. I'm authorized to meet with that person. And they'll do 30-minute visitations. It's been working fantastically to use that word. And again, we have some references here. But then I like to pivot just to the left. And there's the same use case for social care workers who are now trying to engage with the children that they're supporting. So instead of being on site and visiting with the child and or foster care and or guardians, they're now able to do these remote sessions to actually keep that engagement. The next one I started to really notice here recently is Instead of using a form or calling, they're now setting up a virtual assistant because I'm at home, I work for the state, I can do an appointment slot, and now you can actually schedule that with me. And now I can talk to you directly. And what a great service for the government. What a much more personal touch. 
And now they can run analytics on that video conferencing. How long did it last? What frequently questions? And so they can you know, get better over time when you're engaged personal versus, again, just over you know, forms or, or simple email. Scaling up services can come with its own set of challenges. What are the most critical issues that leaders should be aware of as they scale up their services? Yeah, I think when it comes to video conferencing in general, it's not a surprise here to most, but it's really going to be around security. So you have to have the fundamentals. And most cloud providers are going to have certifications like FedRAMP moderate and FedRAMP high. Great. Most of us are going to have things like let's keep the data within a you know continental U.S. Those are check boxes to me. But where I'm going is the administrative functionality to make sure who is actually coming into that video conferencing. So if I were to set up a meeting, so to speak, I can't have somebody who's not authorized to come in there for personal health information reasons. And so one of the big things I would say for, for these government leaders is making sure that the security components are in place, whether you're doing document sharing, video conferencing, some of the database type of access now that you're, you're, you're pulling from, from the unemployment insurance, all of that you know, goes without saying. And I think that's obviously one of the first things I would mention. And then very close with the security is just the access, who actually has access to the information. And so because you have such an influx and you're trying to have this one agency share information with the other, it's just critical that not only with the security, as I mentioned, but also making sure that the identity access management, the single sign-ons, the VPNs, and all of that blocking and tackling is all set into place. And then you can start looking at the next couple of things that are most important to deliver the right services. Well, I also wanted to explore a little bit about how this is fueling innovation. And one of the silver linings we're seeing as agencies deal with these challenges is a new tolerance for innovation. What are you seeing in the way of opportunities for agencies to actually uh, demonstrate innovation and maybe embrace it more fully going forward? Yeah, so one example comes to mind, and it's governments want to share with other governments. And that's that's a little different with the commercial, right? Within the commercial side, you know, if you're a bank or, you know, a clothing company and you're successful with technology, I don't think necessarily you're going to call up your competitor and say all the amazing things that you've accomplished, right? And that's the nature of the competitive business in the private sector. In the public sector, it's different. Wyoming's not going to acquire Colorado. My point here is that we've seen this peer-to-peer sharing. An example in Colorado with Eagle County is they set up, uh, I want to say early March, how do we keep people out of the emergency room, right? Because that was a big thing where people want to go in, maybe they have symptoms, they're not sure and they want to go tested. But the last thing you want is a lot of people walking into your local emergency room. And so with their epidemiologist and team, they use their current infrastructure that they have. So these are things like Google Sites and Google Forms and you know the dashboard type of thing, the data studio. And I can self-report, I can self-diagnose, I can say, yes, I have a temperature. You know, Yes, here are my symptoms. I fill out that form, that gets sent to the epidemiologist. He or she then reviews that and can make the call. Yep, you know what? I'm gonna engage with Jeff. And they'll either do this through the phone or they'll do video conferencing. Let's take your temperature. Let me talk to you. What are your symptoms? And so that form and that process that this county, and I'll be clear, partners didn't help, Google didn't help. They set this all up with their current infrastructure. And then what they did is they started reaching out to their local counties and said, hey, we've created this. Would you like the blue book? Would you like exactly how we did this? And they did. And sitting here today, I can tell you there's at least five or six counties not just in Colorado, but, you know, with outside the U.S. that have grabbed the whole of that step by step. And it's in production today. And it's, a, it's just a great story about being innovative with the current investment that they have. 
The other one I would just mention why it exists, really looking at the virtual lobby, the video conferencing. We're all at home today. It's probably going to stay like that for a little bit. And in certain use cases, you know, who knows how long it'll stay. And so without calling or without having email transactions with that city or county or state, I can now engage with that person. I can actually schedule an appointment and then talk to them. I want to set a new business up, right? I got to renew my driver's license and I just need to change a certain address. All those things can be done now at a personal level by using video conferencing, such as Google Meet. I think those two, the peer-to-peer government sharing, and then also utilizing the video conferencing technology has just been the two biggest things we've seen when it comes to innovation. Well, there's so much opportunity for state and local and county governments to share some of these innovations. Last question for you, what last thoughts or recommendations would you like to share about using AI in new and innovative ways that agencies may not be fully taking advantage of yet? Yeah, thank you. So using, you know, machine learning to answer those questions as, you know, these influx of hundreds of thousands of calls are coming in, right? You don't need to hire hundreds and hundreds of agents, but what you do is you put that technology in place because it has a high volume of success. So that is by far number one. And number two, when it comes to this is think of not only government agency buildings opening up, but also retail, right? So how does the government, how do these agencies support their small, medium business? How do they support and keep, you know, as much as possible, the continued revenue streams coming in. And I think a big piece there is leveraging things like Google Maps, right? Indoor mapping. So if I know how I can get in and out physically of a building, because in this case, maybe I have to, or how I can social distance. And I've seen uh, a lot of cities now looking at, why don't we take that main street that used to have two-way traffic? Why don't we start to close that? So that way we have much more room for these businesses to put tables outside or to put their clothes outside. So we can social distance, keep revenue going. Well, the only way that's going to happen is by that local city or county or state supporting that type of transportation maneuvering, if that makes sense, right? So I think it's maps. I think it's just using the technologies that are available today, but particularly like let those types of AI technologies work for you. And the best way is to bring that data in, train it, and it'll start hopefully giving you the results you're looking for. So those are just a couple of the ideas that I had. Well, thanks for suggesting those ideas and just helping us get a better picture of AI-assisted collaboration tools at work in government. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there for today, though. Jeff Brown, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, back at you, Wyatt. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to Google Cloud for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage on IT modernization in government on fedscoop.com and our FedScoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash, your host. Thanks for tuning in.